0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh yeah, better than this. I don't know what I'm doing, I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show, finishing up the NFC North, focusing on Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions on today's podcast. Kyle, welcome. Thank you. Happy Friday. Uh,
1: Looking forward to next Friday, because we will be together, reunited as as one unit yet again, Mm -hmm. to record a couple podcasts before I take
0: my leave from draft dudes during the month of may your leave I've, i was my spending name. some time today thinking about what i'm gonna do for a week because you had these draft classes to recap but uh, i've got yeah, a little something up true. my sleeve I, I it's gonna be good it's gonna be I'm good i'm not gonna lie to you i'm probably not gonna listen to it well i will be well, honest I'm with gone. you I, I didn't listen to any of yours either so oh, there Mahalo. Yeah. yeah nice job bozo a <laughs> couple of bozos talking football <laughs> Uh, we somewhat have an announcement to make to the people that I'm surprised has not surfaced yet. What's that? A little something we agreed to a couple of weeks ago when you were down here in the wonderful city of Charlotte, North Carolina. Do you remember what that was? Something no, we're going to be recall. doing in the summer of 2020.
1: Oh, yeah. We're running the Tough mutter, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, why are you putting me under the gun here saying, like, this is something that I wasn't eager to announce? You know I'm not going said- to back out.
0: No, I not for those reasons, but I thought we would have gotten to it at some point here this week. And we I just think, did. Yeah, well, now we have. And we so we don't know exactly when, but we think it's gonna be somewhere in the Cleveland or excuse me, the Ohio, Pennsylvania area. Mm-hmm. And we got a we got a crew, right? Some some friends, you, me, maybe some draft dudes listeners. Wants to participate.
1: Oh, Mm -hmm. I hadn't considered opening this
0: up to folks. Yeah. Well, yeah. How fun would that be? A bunch of guys being dudes and there's going to be some dudettes. Running through the mud through the mud with, you know, 30 obstacles. What's more guys being dudes than that? I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be super competitive. Oh, the big another news. Water is wet. (laughs) Fucking news. Kyle's going to be competitive. You kidding me?
1: I'm not going to be like your brother, though. Your brother told a great story when I was down in Charlotte about how he ran the whole course twice with right. uh, with TJ.
0: TJ, he didn't do it <laughs> twice when I ran it with him. It was it was a while ago, five years ago or something.
1: So training pace. starts. Are you, are you going to train for this? Unlike you, didn't train for the T D N combine.
0: Uh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be ready. Brother, you don't okay, you, well, you don't show you up to do to thirteen it. miles through the mud with obstacles and not be ready. I'll be ready. You, you don't show up to run 40 yard dash and do vertical jumps and not be ready Brother, either. But here we I had, how much notice did we have on that?
1: <laughs> not much notice. We, right? we had like four weeks or something like that.
0: Yeah. We so, had enough. Oh yeah. You should four have stretched. Weeks. You should have stretched. Oh yeah, I stretched for half an hour. Oh, you have – here's four weeks to uncover uh 10 years of, of uh, a lack of training. Nothing was going to get done in four weeks, especially when I had about a billion more scouting reports to get done.
1: Yeah, it's not great. You're right.
0: Anyways, it's time for everyone already. to get in shape and get ready for the Tough mutter That's coming summer of 2020, somewhere in the Pennsylvania, New York, Cleveland. Mark it down. Somewhere over there. Get ready. We'll, when the details are firm, we'll let everyone know, but – we better have some amazing listeners joining us on this journey. So that way I have someone to run with while Kyle gets, you know. No, I'll come back for you. No, oh, you're co- you just said you weren't coming back.
1: I'm not going to do the obstacles twice, but I'll come back for you. No, I'll be
0: I'll right running recon. I'll I'm be there on recon. I'll be there. I'll be there. All, All right. I'll be fine. Frank's Great. the one you got to worry about. Frank Marino. I'm, oh, telling I'm not
1: going to keep up with Frank. I'm telling
0: Well, you. he's no. The thing is, he's going to keep he's going to be coming back for everyone. Promise you this is this. This is a different animal here. All right. Lions and Vikings. Speaking of animals, huh? Yeah. Lions? We got the Lions? You want to start with the good team or the bad team? <laughs> Let's start with the bad team. Okay. Get it out of the way. Okay, Detroit. Okay, Detroit. Yeah.
1: um, Not a great class, to be completely honest with you. They got two of my top 25 players, which is a good start, but one of those was Emmanuel Oyori, who they got a 146. And um, Hawkinson was my 11th rated player. OURA 22nd, big slide for him. But I look at this draft class, and the defining stretch for me is those three picks sandwiched in between Hawkinson and OURA. <laughs> Jelani Tavai, Will Harris, and Austin Bryant. Uh, these were picked at 43, 81, and 117. And my rankings on these players were 183, 152, and 229. So... I really feel like the meat and the heart of Detroit's draft class missed the mark. Uh, I understand Detroit is one of those finicky teams, right, that they they play by their own rules, and they like guys that are super heavy-handed and super physical, and they don't like guys with a lot of bend as pass rusher. So I understand why Austin Bryant's a pick for this team, and and Will Harris is a solid football player. I don't think he's a spectacular football player. I don't think his ceiling's especially high. It doesn't have a lot of ball production. Uh, he's a safe tackler, and, and I think he can be a reliable piece of a secondary, but I just don't think the ceiling's super high there. But Tavai, man, geez. Um, super ambitious selection for Detroit to take Jelani Tavai at 43, and the thought process that Bob Quinn had talked about was – well, you know, there's only a handful of linebackers that come through, maybe one or two every year that, that fit our criteria as far as the size that we look for and the versatility. And if you don't get one, then you're not going to get them that year and you'll have to wait till next year. And if you keep you know, trying to find good value instead of just picking one, then you're going to miss out on them every year. Well, good. <laughs> you just paid Justin Coleman, right? So run the base defense as your nickel and use two linebackers. You ain't got to, you got Jared Davis, uh, Devin Kennard, and the undersized backside linebacker Christian
0: Jones, Christian Reeves yeah. Mayman. Yeah,
1: yeah, and like those two guys are very similar. So, I, I'm not gonna take that ambitious of a pick that early. But that's just me, Joe. Though I think you agree with me.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly didn't think Tavai was a top 50 player in the class. It screams reach for need and it sounds like I don't know, I'd love to I'd love to learn more about this Lions linebacker philosophy because it's not it's not up to par with the league. It's not good whatever. whatever it is. <laughs> what do you what do you wait, what do you want again? Just big guys like
1: yeah, they're looking for two two fifty and versatile. Oh, God. Is is pretty much what he. It's a stupid prototype. Pegged as as Tavai. you know. There's those guys don't. There's only one or two because yeah. the league doesn't play that way anymore.
0: Right. Um. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not on board with that. I do want to spend a minute here talking about Hawkinson. Their their top ten pick uh, at tight end. We understand how that went last time. Eric Ebron became a pretty good football player for the Colts, but he really wasn't consistent <laughs> for the Lions. <laughs> Look. Number eight overall. Why didn't I mean? Geez, just take Devin Bush. <laughs> if you're if that concerned with how does, if Devin Bush doesn't fit your mold for a linebacker, your mold's stupid. Anyways, I digress. No lies detected. What are we doing here? All right, T.J. is a good football player. What I always go back to with Hawkinson is I think he's this beautiful blend of a classic inline tight end that can block and run routes and win in those classic ways that we've seen tight ends win in the past. But you can also flex him out and get all of the benefits of a modern-day flex, move, piece-type tight end. Love that versatility. I think he's going to be a star. You look at the best tight ends in the league right now. George Kittle, uh, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, he's in that mold. He's going to be a really, really good player. And Bob Quinn said going into this this entire offseason that, one of his main goals was to add playmakers. And the, this receiving core is interesting. They kind of have some bigger athletic guys that don't necessarily separate well. And and now they have Hawkinson at tight end, which at a minimum could improve the spacing. And you've got some size issues to deal with when you're facing the Lions, right? They've got Gallaudet, they've got Marvin Jones, they've got Hawkinson, big, big athletic dudes. And then they've got Amendola who's going to open up a world of possibilities from the slot. So, I feel like this Lions group of weapons in the passing game is pretty good, and they certainly valued that size dynamic, which is interesting because we've seen teams go away from that. Here the Lions are embracing size at receiver and tight end, you know, and going for big linebackers. So the Lions are doing, doing things a little different. We'll see how it goes.
1: Well, that's why the whole league's cyclical, right? It is. Oh, and yeah. And it's, it's Detroit – no, ahead of the recent trends and did they make the right picks to get that to materialize? That's the big question for Detroit. Um you, know, you talk about size, they also added Travis Fulgham yeah. in the sixth round. Big, big physical dude at wide receiver from Old Dominion. Uh your guy Isaac Nota in the seventh round as well.
0: Yeah. Asked Looked you on. dead in
1: the eye and said he was gonna run four four Robert, six.
0: I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Never in a million years. At a combine presser, only about five people there. I'm asking Isaac Nana any question I want. Ask him what he thought he was how he was gonna test. Dude looks me in the eye with his receding hairline that's rivals only mine. Oh jeez. Tells me he's gonna run four six, brother. He shows up and runs four nine. How do you get what? How does that even happen?
1: Something was lost in translation.
0: Uh. So yeah, it hit me hit me hard when he ran that. And I I wrote a nice feature on him. I felt like we had a good one on one. Yeah. The dude rewards the, me the very with the next four day. Nine. Four
1: the nine. very next day, 492 or whatever
0: it was. Yeah, my god. I, I will don't say don't think he's this. a bad player though, right? Like his tapes not that bad. But it's you just got have- ready right to say. Go yep. ahead. Yeah, I'll let you have it. I will
1: say this. Solid blocker. I think he's a better functional athlete with the ball in his hands than what you saw with the athletic testing that he brought. Uh, he was a guy for me, 140th on the board, fourth-round grade as far as value. They got him in the seventh because of his athleticism concerns. Fairly refined player, though. Yeah. I think he's pretty solid as a blocker. I think he's smart running routes. He may never be a true man-beater, but if you've got Hawkinson in your tight end room, that's your man-beater right there because he's going to beat guys up, and he's dynamic enough he can run past some linebackers. Uh, Nauta is a second option, a tight end two, a guy that it will be reliable blocking, short yardage, third down, red zone, and find soft spaces in zone. I think he's going to stick on this team, Joe.
0: Speaking of sticking on this team for tight ends, I want to look at this tight end depth chart with me with you, and you tell me which – what do you think? Three, four tight ends at the most? Who's making this football team? Sure. Jesse James, who they gave decent money to in free agency. T.J. Hawkinson, their top ten pick, Isaac Nauta. Now, they also have Michael Roberts, Logan Thomas, Jerome Cunningham. See Jerome Cunningham. Who else makes his team? Um, Roberts makes the team.
1: The two rookies make the team. And Jesse James makes the team. So, Logan Thomas
0: is out. Yes. Okay. Unless they want to miss QB3. Well, that's—I mean—that's the thing. You think about a guy like Joe Webb, right? Who's right. Pl- played in the league for a thousand years because he's a good special teamer, and he can play some wide receiver. But also, if you need a guy to take some snaps and get through a football game, he can do that for you. So that's a hidden value with Logan Thomas. It's a—it's a crowded room. If you know, I, it's a good problem to have. Injuries, things will happen, and they'll be happy to have that type of depth. But they that's really kind of an indictment of Michael Roberts, isn't and, it? Oh, for sure.
1: You know, they because they drafted him what last year, two years ago, seventeen
0: fourth round pick in twenty seventeen.
1: And then they turn around and they sign Jesse James to a very ambitious contract, and then they draft two tight ends.
0: And they sign Logan Thomas. Who and they signed Logan Thomas, who's been a rosterable tight end that I'm very familiar with. He's the reason the yeah. Dolphins didn't have a higher pick in the draft. You know, this past year. Why? Because if he catches that ball, they wasn't beat- that Charles Clay? Oh yeah. Oh, well, there
1: goes that theory, real quick. Any parting thoughts on the Lions? Yeah, you're not going to edit that that out, are you, Guy? That's just going to stick there. No, that's going to stay. Appreciate that, really. Poor Logan Thomas trying to throw him under the bus. I did. I got to defend his honor.
0: I threw him right under the bus. It was Charles Clay. Man, Charles Clay with the Arizona Cardinals. All right. No, I have nothing else to say on the Lions. Okay. Vikings. Why don't you
1: go ahead and lead us off here because I kind of rambled about every single freaking. Of their first five picks
0: when I, I started. I'll ramble a little here. I did the Vikings draft mulligan this past week for Draft Network. And I was looking through this thing and, like, I don't have much problem with this. I mean, we we went into this, this draft, this offseason for Minnesota with a huge need on the interior offensive line. And they're moving to this zone style scheme and they get, a, you know, a beautiful fit in Garrett Bradbury, who has tremendous lateral mobility and really thrived in that zone blocking scheme at NC State, and this move now allows Pat Elfline to kick over to guard. This interior offensive line just got better in two spots. Tight end, sneaky need for this football team. Well, number 50 overall, let's go our Irv Smith Jr., who projects as a really solid starter with a balanced skill set across the board. I like the Alexander Madison pick, right, as a compliment to Dalvin Cook. I know he's a player that, you know, you were pretty high on and and giving you that power dynamic to to complement Dalvin Cook with an improved offensive line. And then Drew Sami, another perfect fit in terms of a, a, an interior offensive lineman in his own blocking scheme. I don't think that they could have done a better job with those first four picks. So to me, I don't necessarily love everything that happened the rest of the way. But when you come away with that resume of four picks to start the draft, Rick Spielman got his football team better in areas that it needed to improve.
1: All right, now I'm going to undergo a little exercise with you. All right. Okay. Is this I exercise want you to...
0: to get ready for the Tough mutter?
1: No. It's a mental <laughs> exercise. Oh, boy. I want you to pretend and flip the Madison and Samia picks. Okay? So just pretend they took Samia first.
0: I mean, that's only like 10 spots on the board, 12 spots on the board.
1: 12 spots on the board, but stick with me. Right. It'll make sense right, so here in just a moment.
0: I got to get my mind engaged. My eyes are closed. I'm locked in.
1: Okay. Garrett Bradbury, drafted 18th. Hmm. Rank on Kyle's board. Twenty-fifth. Good value, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Irv Smith. Drafted 50. Rankles Kyle's board thirty-five. Good value, right? Yeah. Drew Samia. Pretend he was he was uh, drafted I'm, at 114. We're going to pretend he was drafted at 102. I'm pretending. Rankle and Kyle's jo- or board 78. Good value, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Drew uh Alexander Madison, he was drafted at 102. We're going to pretend he was drafted at 114. Rank on Kyle's board, 113. Good value, right? Yeah. Cameron Smith, drafted 162. Rank on Kyle's board, 160. Good value.
0: Yeah.
1: Armand Watts, drafted 190. Rank on Kyle's board, 195. Good value. I did not evaluate Marcus Epps. All 193. Rank on Kyle's board, 202. This team was top to bottom, one of the closest as far as going pick for pick, getting plus value or appropriate value at the absolute worst with almost every single pick that they made. And they made a ton of picks in this year's draft class. They had, what, 12, 11? Yeah. what? They had 12, most in the, most in the draft this year. And I just went through pick for pick with their first, like, or seven of their first eight picks. Uh, Watts, Armand Watts is probably a plus value as well, right? Where'd you have him? I said Armand Watts. I had him at 195. I, he was drafted at 190. I had
0: him 134.
1: You liked Armand Watts. Yeesh. I like a good player. I remember, uh, I remember watching Armand, and I put something in the TDN Slack, and uh, John hit me up afterwards and was like, Yo, you said you liked Armand Watts, but you got him at 195. Do you even <laughs> really like him? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like him for what he is. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's a fun player. He's got some promising reps on film, man. So uh, as a, a backup, a rotational pass rusher, which that, that penetration role in that front's been something that they've been looking to to get solidified for a while now. I like a lot of what they did, top to bottom. With this draft class, I go through pick for pick for pick for pick. And I think they did a wonderful job.
0: Yeah, especially, I mean, think about this. They had, like you said, 12 draft picks. What, if seven of those were in the sixth and seventh round. We both like Watts as, as a potential rotational fit for them. Ole Udo is is a very intri- intriguing, toolsy, small school offensive tackle. And it's nice to have a guy like that waiting in the wings. Potentially, you could develop him into – at a minimum, a utility blocker, but maybe a guy that winds up being your swing tackle in time, Chris Boyd in the seventh round. That's a good pick because at a minimum, I bet you Chris Boyd's going to be a good special teams player. He's physical. He likes to tackle. Maybe in this this defense, he can play some of a hybrid safety corner spot and maybe help you on sub packages. Dylan Mitchell in the seventh round, are you kidding me? A guy with his vertical receiving skill set in the seventh round is very interesting. So, I can get behind a lot of these picks for my for my draft mole again. It was funny. I, I had to be nitpicky with it. I wind up swapping out Cameron Smith for a different linebacker, David Long from West Virginia. And really the whole basis of my decision there was I feel like there's more in David Long's toolback. Now, David Long has his share of warts in terms of, you know, some misreads. He's got short arms and he he whiffs a ton with his tackles, but at least he's Gives you a quick trigger. He's physical. He can move really well compared to Cameron Smith, who has some restrictions in coverage and and he's got a very you know his injury history is pretty concerning because he had that ACL tear in 2015 and then he needed injections this year for. it, In addition to missing a couple games with the hammy, so I I mean that was my that was my draft mulligan. If I can change one thing, it was the fifth round linebacker picking a different one that has a slightly higher ceiling. Great yeah, work, I, Rick Spielman. I I would even
1: leave Cameron Smith. I'd probably look at. Maybe double-dipping on seventh-round wide well, that, receivers, and that, now that, you're <laughs> just getting super nitpicky. Like, who right. the fuck cares? Right. Who cares? And this team had 2 top drop-50 picks, and one of their picks was 50. Yeah. Came away with plus value top-to-bottom.
0: Kyle, I think but, I think people listening to, to us have a discussion about the Vikings draft may have looked for us to criticize more the Alexander-Madison pick. No. Well, that's what I want you to talk, because I know you're prosper. a big fan of him. Talk about him. Yeah. Madison is...
1: I I like his dynamic versus Dalvin Cook, so I think Dalvin Cook's still going to be your lead back. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know I know the things have not materialized for Dalvin thus far in the pros the way they would have liked for them to materialize. But Madison is he's big and he's physical, but he's also slippery. So I think he gives you a little bit more of a banger role than what you would get with Dalvin Cook. Um, But he is very effective at making that first guy miss. Uh, He's got really good vision in the open field, just like Dalvin Cook does. Um, Dalvin Cook's a little bit more of a step frequency type guy. And what I mean by that is it's the the rapid steps, how often he can get foot contact in the ground, and that's how he changes directions. Madison's a little bit more flexible, I feel like, a little bit more loose below the waist. And uh, when you pair that with his size, it's it's a really fascinating blend of skills. And he there's some reps that remind you of another Boise State running back, Jay Ajayi, who went in the fifth round and then uh, had some success with Miami, was traded. The knees have betrayed Ajayi, but Ajayi had multiple knee injuries at the college level before even getting to the pros. And now you're seeing his, his knees really wear down. And, and he's a free agent just getting through his rookie contract and doesn't have a team. Madison doesn't have that kind of wear and tear concern about him, but he has some f- similar physicality and mobility to his frame that allows for some of these dynamic cuts that you see these big backs that are that have that looseness and are able to make. So um, he gives a little different style and flavor to what Dalvin Cook has, but at the same time, both of these guys have super slippery habits and they both have really good open field vision.
0: And, and Madison, I think he helps you on every down because he's good in pass pro and he can catch the football. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you you love that you have a guy that there's there's really no restrictions. He's not the fastest guy, but, you know, between the tackles runner, he has some wiggle to him for a big guy, catches the football, pass protects. That's what you're looking for in your backup running back. So I I think that was one of their better picks that I think maybe some people expected some criticism, but – if you watch Madison play, there's a lot to like about how he fits his team. Yeah,
1: yeah. Turn on the Wyoming game, watch him <laughs> hurdle like ten dudes. It's crazy. He's he's really fun football player. So now that we've just got done heaping praise on Minnesota, I think we've really taken the suspense out of the top of this division and what we think it looks like, yeah. Joe. But we do need to rank these four teams. We have Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, and the Vikings. Who's last for you out of these four teams?
0: It's between the Bears and the Lions. Um I, there's more redeeming qualities with the Lions draft in my opinion. So the, the last place is is the Bears in this division for me.
1: Yeah, and, and Chicago, you know, they're they're kind of they had the deck loaded against them this year cuz they were so aggressive with their draft capital the last year so they didn't get a lot of chance. They had to trade up to 73 and that was their first pick. So um They're naturally not going to have a lot of chances to get hits with their draft class, but I actually agree with you. I look at the the Bears class, and uh, I don't see a lot of year one contributors. And we talked yesterday about some of the skepticism that we have about even the top pick that they made in David Montgomery and some of the concerns with vision that we have with him. So I agree with you. Uh, Chicago would be rated last for me out of this division.
0: And so the same bottom two in the same order?
1: Um, yeah, I think I have to go with Detroit just because that, you know, that second, third, and first, fourth round pick were frustrating selections for me. That's a lot of missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned.
0: So Vikings and Packers for one and two.
1: Packers, too.
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
1: It, is there somebody Green Bay could have picked instead of Rayshon Brian Gary Burns? that would have swore? So if, if they <laughs> pick Brian Burns... That swings them ahead.
0: Oh, yeah, because those first one, two, three, four, the first five picks, even the first six, I would have liked the whole thing. That was my big gripe with the, with the Packers draft was Gary. You put Burns at the top of that. I like I like everything else they did.
1: Even though they signed Zadarius and Preston, and they had Kyler Fackrell who had
0: ten sacks last year. Yeah, I'm okay with it <laughs> because they. I mean, obviously, their their edge rushing. Their edge pressure was wasn't good. They got in good interior pressure last year, but I mean, I'm not going to gripe about having too many good pass rushers, right? Like,
1: yeah, and Fakrul's got to prove that that wasn't just a
0: well. And that's thing. the thing is, some of the Green Bay people that I've talked to, they say that it's kind of fluky. I mean, but I like Kyler coming out, so I I want to believe that it was good. But you know, I've heard some some thoughts that potentially that was uh, some gift wrap sacks and, involved there.
1: Speaking of Kyler. Did you see one of the guys over at NFL.com released their fantasy projections for 2019 and they did their quarterback rankings and uh, he listed Kyler Fackrell or Kyler Fackrell, <laughs> Kyler Murray as uh, the number five rated fantasy quarterback in all
0: football oh, year. Oh, in the whole league.
1: In the whole league.
0: Well, I mean, I guess his ability to run – Makes him interesting, right? You saw like Josh Allen; that was why he was a big fantasy factor down the stretch last year, and certainly that can, that can help him out. I don't know. I, I think that's that's aggressive. Five's him Yeah, inches. that's really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a guy that's one year starter at Oklahoma making a big jump without a, you know a great supporting cast and, and an unproven coach running that off. I mean, there's questions, right? Yeah, more questions than you I could have for number five
1: people people ask me a lot of fantasy questions and I am terrible at fantasy advice, but my free fantasy advice for the day is don't draft Kyler as the fifth quarterback in your league.
0: No, not a, unless it's like a startup dynasty league, right? Maybe. Right. And
1: everybody else is already accounted right. for. Maybe. Like, <laughs> right. mm, yeah, no, it's still, it wouldn't be five top five for me. So, but that's why I'm terrible at fantasy. So don't listen to me. Same. Um, Joe, we're we're gonna have to uh, get the wheels moving on on getting something set up for maybe a, a, a TD and Dynasty League. I don't know. Fantasy? We're, yeah, we're doing fantasy uh. th- leagues this year. We're doing Madden leagues this year. It's gonna be a great, great year.
0: I gotta get a video. game. We're doing on.
1: the Tough Mudder. Lots of stuff to look forward to in the next twelve months. I guess the twenty twenty draft gets wrapped into that too, huh?
0: Yeah, starting that pretty soon.
1: Yeah. Well, got, we got a week and a half, and then yeah. it's, it's on to 2020, baby. So thank you guys for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed uh, the wrap of the NFC North. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow. Don't want to make false promises here. We'll be back on Monday. We got two more divisions to work through, uh, so we will be done by next Friday with the entire NFL. Uh, get ourselves queued up, and then I am away for a week the following week, and Joe has something special that he's teasing that you guys will have to tell me what it is because I'm not going to listen while I'm away. So uh, if you have hot takes for uh, takes on takes with the hashtag takes on takes, tweet at us at the Joe Marino and at grinding the tape. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.